Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup episode 82 for the week ending Monday, November 7th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masubu and this week, as you can hear... We're on location, and we'll certainly be doing things slightly differently. Joining me on the show this week is our technical producer here at the African Tech Roundup, Brian Lupia. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? What's up, Africa? Hey, so it's Discop 2016, right? That's for sure, dude. We've been here the past three, four days? Three days, actually. Feels like four because we've, it's, it's been a jam-packed program, uh, what with us being involved with Digital Lab Africa and all the incredible creative talents we've seen come through that program. Definitely. We've met some very interesting uh, people with some very interesting um, business ideas and, 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 and projects running. And uh, all the best to, to, the, to the guys that win today. They're announcing the winners today. Hey. Yeah, because we're actually recording the show just an hour away from when uh, Digital Lab Africa will announce five winners who will then form part of their very first incubation program. Really exciting stuff. And as I indicated earlier on, uh, we're doing things slightly differently by bringing you some of those voices, uh, sharing some of the enthusiasm they have for their projects, as well as a voice that um, is certainly not starting out, has been around the block at least once or twice as far as this digital content game is concerned. We won't spill the beans just yet, though. Now, Discop Africa, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is basically Africa's largest multi-screen, multi-platform marketplace. And... Uh, Digital Lab Africa is a partner initiative that's been part of Discop this year. And here to tell us a little more about Digital Lab Africa is the initiative's founder and convener, Frédéric Chambon. Take a listen. Big idea, basically, is to provide a platform, the first ever platform, for African talent. When we say African, it's for all sub-Saharan Africa region. African talent in digital content and multimedia. And we're targeting specifically four sectors, four key sectors where you've got growth and creativity. Number one is virtual reality, VR. That's a big thing at the moment. Everybody is thinking and doing VR. We've got online music, which is big in Africa, of course. We've got video games and we've got web creation transmedia. And the the bottom idea and and the whole idea of DLA uh, came from a, 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 a simple idea today, Africa is moving from the traditional screens like a TV in your lounge room and moving to uh, mobile screens, connected screens, uh, smartphones basically and computers. It means now if you're a TV producer, if you want your content to be watched, seen, consumed by these guys, you have to be on mobile. So the challenge and what we want to address is for Africa to be part of this revolution, for Africa to be able to produce the content of tomorrow for the screens of tomorrow. Anyone who's serious about uh, working in the content space for the big screen, silver screen, or indeed the smaller screens we all hold in our hands or or sit on our desks is here making deals. You can hear all the conversations going on right now. Exciting stuff, yeah, Brian? Definitely exciting. It's it's, it's like a dating game here. It is a speed dating, isn't it? Speed speed dating, uh, matchmaking. It's it's really cool. (laughs) The The whole vibe is awesome here. Absolutely. Launched in 2012, uh, it's definitely um, turned into quite the platform, 
quite the marketplace. Big up to the organizers. Now, this week's episode is brought to you by our Quick Tech Chat series, which features brief and some not-so-brief conversations with leading pros working the trenches of Africa's tech scene. Think startup founders, VC players, C-suite executives, all offering insights on what it's like to operate at the coalface of African innovation efforts. And you can find this playlist uh, on our website. That's uh, www.africantechroundup.com. And just go to the uh, Quick Chats playlist and have a listen. And without further ado, let's jump right in. What do we have first, Brian? Uh, first up, we have uh, Basics Pulse. Now, Basics Pulse is uh, a music platform project dedicated to emerging artists in Africa, helping them to engage with their audience and create a community of listeners. Uh, we caught up with one of the founders, uh, Harlem, um, and we had a really nice chat with him. Well, you had a nice chat with him. It's worth mentioning that Harlem and his co-founders are from the DRC and... Um their platform certainly has awesome commercial potential, uh, certainly the potential to take on some of the biggies, uh, the likes of Spotify, iTunes, and the rest. Uh, take a listen to this. Harlem Muffin Cole, welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thank you. Now, you're a co-founder of a music streaming platform from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Now, that's not a place um, uh, I immediately think of when I think of music streaming services. What's yours called and how did you guys come up with an idea? Well, maybe it's not the first thing you think about, but when you think about music in Africa, you think about Congo. There's no way I cannot think about music if I think about the Congo. Exactly. So the only thing is missing is a streaming application for that music. Touche. So that's exactly how you thought about it. That's, that's the thing I was, we thought about, me and uh, my friend uh, Narciss. It was the only thing missing was an application and allowing people uh, outside the country and in, inside the country to listen to uh, more more of the local musicians and different music genre, genre that you find in Kinshasa and elsewhere in Congo as well. Yeah. And so g- give the service a shout out because it's totally live. You've been going for a short while now and uh, the people seem to have taken really well to it, not just in Congo, but in other countries around you as well. Uh, yes, we have some. We have people in Brazzaville, uh, Congo, Brazzaville, using it because we have friends there, uh, journalist friends in the radio, talking about it, and uh, in Kinshasa as well. So it has been uh, very welcomed, and we have uh, at least I think already more than uh, two thousand u- users already. Uh, it's Basics. If you just Google Basics uh, with Z and uh, Basics Pulse on Google, if you just Google the you you. you you get the link. And if you're, if you're English-speaking and you want, it's like basics with a Z, an I, and a K. So that's B-A-Z-I-K-S and then pulse, which you say pulse because you're French-speaking. French, my French, yeah. You know my French accent, always. <laughs> always betraying. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, so tell me about the business model. So when you say 2,000 uh, users, are these people who are paying to use the service? Uh, do you have a tiered offering in terms of freemium and then uh, a premium service? Uh, how does it work? Right, right now it's a freemium service, but we allow people to buy music. So it's not like uh, we have commercials, uh, ads, uh, an ad system go, uh, uh, on the site, but it's not like you cannot choose that away from the the software right now because we offering like a freemium and we just selling the songs but sooner we will have uh, offline offering offline uh, music system uh, offline playlists then we can have that premium offer people can choose away the ads and different uh, service that they don't want to have yeah i suppose one of the obvious questions is surely uh, consumers in 
in Congo had options before you guys, or, or didn't they? Give me a sense of what the market is like for the streaming of music in, in Congo. Is it simply international players coming and trying to shove international music down your throats and then nothing else? Or do you guys have competition in this space? Well, we, we don't really have uh, a serious competition because uh, the, 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 the applications are... Uh, are depending on the internet so people really don't have internet uh, available everywhere they are in Congo so if using a software like Spotify it, it, it doesn't really care that you are you don't, you don't have a lot of uh, credit or data on your phone and stuff like that so all applications all application is more like uh, aware of all those things and try to recognize the uh, connection that the person have and then try to cut down uh, some functions of the site, like heavy, uh, like huge pictures. Once it detects that you are on 3G, then it will not show you like those big pictures. It will offer you like a appropriate qu- pictures quality, you know, depending on the, your connection and stuff like that. And it will let you know that you are using a 3G. That's why maybe your streaming is slow. And then you know, it's just an application very aware of the ecosystem of the telecoms in uh, in Congo and in Africa. So I mean, there's no really like a big competition because they don't really those software are not really aware of all those things. It's just like you have to have internet to use it. But here we're offering you we're offering you different ways to listen to music or download music, even if you have a bad connection and stuff like that. Do you like birds, Brian? I'm not very fond of birds, uh, maybe parrots, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, I certainly don't really like... I can see them there in the air, that's great, but no, no not close to me. No. All our animal fan listeners are <laughs> getting ready to stone you. And I'm not sure how the, the next person we're going to feature is going to feel about the fact that you're not a fan of birds. One of her aliases is Blackbird. Yeah, Blackbird, a.k.a. Temple. Look, she's, she's my homie. She knows, you know, much love for Blackbird. You know me. All right, but yeah, we, we caught up with her as well. And so Nongkululego Vunda is a musician, a self-taught techie, and an all-round digital artist. And so we caught up with her right at Digital Lab Africa to share how she's transitioning from being an artist to a creative. Look, Yo, yo, Jason's in the house. <laughs> Look who's crashing the mic right now. <laughs> right now. Awesome. Now we're good, Jason. That's our homie, uh, Jason Jocko, uh, good friend of the, uh, the African Tech Roundup. <laughs> well, he's actually yet to be inducted because he's, he's kind of spoiled the surprise because he'll be the third voice we're sharing on the podcast a little later on. He's crashing. He just crashed us and, uh, and jumped on the mic real quick. But anyway, before we play out with a chat I had with Jason, you're going to hear from Nongkululego of Wunja, a.k.a. Temple, a.k.a. Blackbird, about how she's dealing with the transition of being a creative, a broadcaster, to being an entrepreneur all in the digital space. Take a listen. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing here at DLA t- uh, uh, this year. Okay, well, the reason that we're here is simple. Um, I'm an African artist. Blackbird is the name, first lady of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And basically, I've been successful as a hip-hop artist in Zimbabwe. Now I'm back home in South Africa. Um, but the seven, eight years of creating a brand hasn't translated into money. So it's pointless for me to be popular and have all these fans, but I'm not able to monetize on my gift. 
I've released five albums, but I should be loaded by now, I think, based on the talent. <laughs> and that's where Kiami Online comes in. We have a business that we've put together, which is basically a website driven to help artists create an income from their music. And I'm coming as an artist saying, guys, this is a solution that we have made not just for you, but for me too. So I'm actually a user of the product that I'm going to offer others too. Isn't this an exciting time to be a broadcaster, a, a producer, a, a media maker, a creative artist in the digital space? How um, we no longer need these massive platforms in order to, to, to gain an audience and, and grow a community and more importantly, like you mentioned, monetize. How excited are you about that? It's extremely exciting. I mean, technology has changed the industry. When I did my first album, I had to hustle studio time because only one or two guys had proper studios, had proper software, had proper mics. Now, looking for a condenser mic is not a complicated thing. I just go on Google and look for options. Um, getting software is not complicated. Getting the right kind of infrastructure, getting an airbook. You know, life has changed. Therefore, the industry has changed. So it's really exciting that I'm in the media industry at a time like this where you don't have to be rich and famous to produce a good quality album. I've done five albums, and yeah, I can actually speak from experience that technology has actually played a part in opening me up, as well as things like Facebook and WhatsApp. I'm able to speak to my fans on a one-on-one -on -one thanks to technology. So things are different. And uh, next up is uh, a guy called Kaba Diakite. Yep, he's from uh, Cote d'Ivoire. He is a uh, game developer, and here and his co-founders have come up with a pretty neat-looking uh, game that's based on a traditional game that used to be played in the Ivory Coast and in, in countries surrounding it, but isn't as popular anymore. And they're reviving it with a very snazzy-looking game that's now available for Android as well as PC. Here to tell us all about it is Kaba Diakite. Take a listen. Tell me a little bit about the game you've developed, because you've, you've enjoyed quite a bit of success for a game that's only been out for just a month. 3,000 downloads already? Yes, 3,000 downloads since we launched the game last month. And the game is available on Android and on PC. For the PC version, you could go on our website, work the group uh, for the Android version to Google Play. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the game and uh, how you know the idea came to you. Okay, so Point is inspiring on Point Point, a game that we played with my students. And actually, this game is no more playing by, by anybody. So what we want to do for this project is to make this game on the current platform, Android, for saving our culture and for making our brothers, our little brother, play that, all of those games that learn us so many things. Because it is many logic and many strategy and we learn a lot of things playing our games. Now, uh, one of the co-producers of the show, uh, Brian, actually downloaded the, the game a few moments ago and he was playing with it. It actually looks really, really good. Did you do this all yourself or did you get, do you have a team? Uh, I have a team. I work with four other people, two in the technical part and two others for the business part, for the marketing and so on and so forth. So let's talk about the business part of making games because I, I've noticed that the model around... Uh, taking a game to market, uh, particularly for, for African game developers, often centers around partnering with NGOs or chasing CSI-type uh, money from corporates and that kind of thing. 
is there money in making these games? In, is there potential to make money in any other way? Yes, uh, our game is free for download. So we want many persons to play that game. It is also able to purchase in the application. We're going to add mobile banking because it is the most um, used method to pay that we could add in our application. So you're going to look for organic ways to, to monetize the players of these games once they're, with the game, once they're in the game, but you'll, you don't have any plans of charging for the game. A freemium model, basically. Uh, actually, this, this um, version of the game is a solo, a solo version. In the beginning of 2007, we're going to launch the online version, and this version is not going to be free. So this version is going to be downloadable via transaction. You're not sure of the price just yet? Yes, I'm, I'm not sure yet. So you're at Digital Lab. You were at Digital Lab Africa. You were pitching um, earlier in the day. Uh, what were you pitching for? What is your hope uh, from, from platforms like this? What sort of attention are you hoping to get? Are you looking for investors? What sort of thing are you hoping to get out of this? Actually, we, we launch and we do all of what we do on our cap capabilities so so you you basically uh, sh uh bootstrap the business okay so actually we are looking from investor we are looking from potential client because we don't do only our games but we're also able to make games for other people so people who could come here to ask um, ask us to make their game and the m the most important thing that we want for this competition is the incubator the incubator we want to to deal with in a studio that is already done that knows how the process are in order to to learn a lot and go quickly and the best way it could be for all of the next project that we could have and finally the guy we've all been waiting for the podcast crasher i mean that was a really cool way for him to introduce he should have just introduced himself he actually should have introduced himself, except that uh, he was rushing off somewhere to, I don't know, to close a deal or something. Ah, uh, close a deal. You know him. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Jason Njoku, he is the CEO of Iroko. It is a group of companies that has done a lot to revolutionize the way content is streamed, uh, predominantly in West Africa. He is famous for pushing the whole Lagos-only message, but certainly doesn't mean he's not doing business elsewhere across the continent as well as other parts of Europe. He does clear. He actually does set, uh, shed some light on, on that as well in, in the conversation you had with him, yeah. So I obviously had a ton of questions to ask him. He's one of the more vocal figures in Africa's tech scene uh, with his blog, of course, if you follow him there, uh, as well as via interviews and talks that he often does. Uh, and it was really nice for me to ask him questions that I've been dying to ask him because oftentimes he might get misquoted or the sense of what he's trying to say never comes right through and this in many respects is an interview where he answered many of the questions i had and we ready yeah definitely ready let's go what did the djs used to say let's spin it no spinning is back though with the vinyls and stuff but they never used to say let's spin it they never spin it anything they never said anything they just started roll the tape <laughs> <laughs> click jason and joko welcome to the african tech roundup thanks for having me Fantastic. I asked you off mic earlier if you being at Discop, you know, actually uh, result in getting deals done or is more a matter of show and tell. You said? I don't dance. I don't do show and tell. I'm all about the deals. And also you said um, that's stuff you could probably do from your office in Lagos. 
yeah, if it's show and tell, you can do that. You can scale that socially. You can scale that via, obviously, uh, my great PR person, Jessica. Um, so, no, like, you know, when I jump on a plane to go somewhere, it's costing me money. Whenever I move, it costs the company money. So I need to be able to pay that money back times 10. That essentially is, is how we think about moving in Iroko. And so in, in letting people into what happens at Discord, perhaps people haven't heard of the event and that kind of thing, uh, what, what did you jump on a plane to come do? And also maybe in trying to explain, uh, you know, your motivations, how different, since you've been here more than, I think this is probably your third or fourth time, how different are the interactions you're having, the conversations you're having at this particular Discord to when you first started coming? Discord brings together content buyers and sellers. Um, it's not free, so anyone who is here has paid to be here. That payment filter means that people here are serious. So they make, they're taking meetings, they're doing deals. If there's nothing to be done and have a great conversation, 15, 20 minutes, they're out, on to the next one. So I think that's really, really important that if it's like a, a, a place where everyone can come for a content two or three days, do deals, move on. Um, I think obviously like people are spread across the, uh, the, the 40 or so uh, sub-Saharan African countries. We have people flying in obviously from Europe and the US as well. Um, so I think it's a great way to kind of like meet everybody at the same time. Um, obviously in the glorious surroundings of Johannesburg, which is definitely one of my favorite cities. Um, but yeah, you know, I think if anyone doesn't know about if if anyone doesn't know about Discop, then maybe they're not looking hard enough, maybe they're not serious enough. So if you, if, if you're serious about selling content or buying content, you know you know about Discop. It's not that difficult. This is for my tech heads who listen to us, so they might be busy. I don't know at other tech conferences. I don't know. I don't care. Oh wow, that sounds like something straight out of our, your legendary blog. No comment there because the mic was in his face. He didn't say a thing. What's trending in your world at the moment? Actually, speaking of your blog, um, you tend to have like seasons of consciousness. Uh, if anyone follows you on social and, and, and on your blog, uh, they probably know what I mean. But what's, what's big for you right now? Lots of things. Um, top of mind. What's top one? Top one because we don't have that much time. So top one is uh, family and life, right? Um, I'm a father. Um, I'm a husband. I have a family. Uh, really kind of changes perspective of things. Um, I go through experiences on a fairly regular basis, which are incredibly challenging. Um, I went through like a life and death type experience earlier this week. So I will share that experience because it needs to be told. So I think for me, it's just about surviving and making sure that I at least can try and find some happiness in this world. You recently came out saying that people think Iroka TV is a one-trick pony. Set the record straight. Give me a sense of the length and breadth of this empire that you're building. Uh, what are we getting most wrong when we, con- when we think about Jason Joku and, and everything you and your team are doing at Iroka TV? So Iroka actually isn't one company. It's, a, uh, it's, it's more of like a holding of like four or five different companies. Um, so obviously we, uh, we have um, linear channels. Uh, We have now, I think it's five or six linear channels going across uh, Europe and Africa, across like four or five different platforms. Um, That's a multi-million dollar business, has about 20 or 30 people working uh, digitally on that. Um, We have a uh, a third-party digital platform business, which is Iwoko X, um, which again, like, you know, generates, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year um, for content partners. Um, Typically deals with like short form content. So we're thinking of like anything less than five minutes. Uh, again, has like I think 15, 20 people who are fully much focused on that. Uh, we have Iroko Plus, which is our JV with Canal in French speaking Africa, which again is like Iroko TV, the Android app, but it has novellas, but it has uh, French speaking African content in there. Um, and again, it's in French, so it's completely focused in, in that area. Um, and we have, a th- we have, a, and we have a, a content sales business where we customers come to us, they need Nollywood content, we basically aggregate it for them, make sure all the rights are cleaned send it over to them and again these are all sort of like you know um pretty big businesses in their own right and as a collection 
um, they kind of really support strategically a lot of the things which you work on TV is actually at least trying to do in the long run. And I think that's why when you ask me that, why would I come here show and tell, like we're about making money first because we're, we're ultimately uh, need to pay the bills. Um, and, you know, begging for VC money is, uh, is, is always a challenge. Um, so first of all, we obviously need to pay the bills. In order to do that, we need to kind of do deals. So we've got a team here, people who are just trying to do deals. And that's, that's always been our, our focus. On Evoco TV, it's more about making people happy. It's much more nuanced. And it's much more of a longer, longer, longer sort of like multi-decade uh, play. And we're sort of like happy to, to su- have survived that and, and to kind of keep, keep on being in the game. And, you know, every year... As we sort of like keep on going, we just keep on getting stronger. We keep on seeing great opportunities for us to, to build like a pretty interesting business. And so as a percentage of your business uh, overall, how much of it would you say is in traditional media versus uh, new media? I think this year it's probably about 70% is in uh, traditional media. Uh, you know, a, a sort of futurist like me thinks, okay, that's not part of a future I imagine uh, you, I suppose the businessman, the businessman in you says there's a lot of ways to make money as, you know, up until the future actually, you know, the future I might have in mind actually gets here. Is that the approach you take in terms of uh, what you invest in as Iroko? Well, the future isn't cheap, right? <laughs> so, you know, you've got to pay for like tomorrow and next week and a month after. And, and you've got a big team of like, I don't know, maybe... I think we had about 170 people. Now we're kind of boosting up by another 300 people. So um, it's expensive. Um, and you can either raise the money from venture capital or you can actually like, you know, get customers and, and, and pay it that way. So as I said before, like, everything we're doing in the traditional media is actually supporting Iroko TV and its development. So again, I can, I can raise you know, $10 million from a, uh, a, a venture capitalist or I can go and sell $10 million worth of content. I'd rather try and sell $10 million worth of content. It makes us more independent. It makes us more kind of like not, not less fragile as, as a company. Uh, and I think that's definitely the kind of the way I'm trying to build the company at the moment. I, just, I guess I'm asking if uh, I'm interested in a career in media, if, if you're speaking to, say, a young kid coming out of varsity right now, uh, would you recommend that they, they, they invest in a career in traditional media, given we have some idea of where the future is going, given what Netflix is doing around the world, given what you guys are doing on the continent in new media, given all the changes that have come with all the, t- uh, the innovations in, in communication and in ICT in general, uh, is this a long-term play or not? No, absolutely. I think um, building a subscription, getting people to pay for content is really, really, really expensive. It takes many, many years. Anyone who's been successful anywhere in the world has taken like a decade or maybe two decades to even get there. So first and foremost, like, it's expensive. Most of new media doesn't require you to spend like 20 or $30 million in the build-up to getting somewhere. So you know, the fact that it requires a huge amount of investment up front, it just means that we kind of have to be a bit more smart about and how we think about the business. So you know, I think um, any young person who wants to go into new media, I would definitely suggest just go into new media. But if you want to build a business where you, get, where you want to get people to pay, customers to pay for something, really difficult and takes really long and you probably need a lot of capital to do that. Now comment on the evolution in the interaction between traditional platforms and new media platforms like Eurocode TV. What's changed over the years? Um, are you at the same country clubs <laughs> with the heads of, say, <laughs> you know, some of the bigger players in the industry? Um, I mean, you obviously can't speak for them, but what do you sense? So I sense that um, there's definitely going to be a convergence. I think, one, local content is really, really important. So I'm in, a local con- I'm in the local content game. Um, if, if you look at the top five channels in South Africa, it's SABC1, SABC2, it's ETV, it's Mzanzi Magic, it's Nollywood. The country club guys aren't necessarily going to be there. It's like local languages, it's local dialects, it's local stories, it's local experiences. So I think that's not going to change anytime soon. That's a macro change, which I think is only going to reinforce itself as we kind of get more proud of our content. I think at the end of the day, um, 
we're digitally native and we did traditional as like an extension of our of our business but we're still digital at heart and we're learning everything else in the traditional world um i think what you find is that a lot of the traditional guys are now having to learn um digital so i think in 10 years time we basically all end up at the same place some sort of like hybrid between the two but i think at heart because we're digital first we'll always have that sort of digital internet style way of doing things and uh, so before we go we have a quick word from um frederic chambon Wow, you got that you got that pretty well. <laughs> He's the founder and convener of this year's Digital Lab Africa and uh, here is talking about how you can be part of the DLA's next cohort. Take a listen. At the moment we are in the middle, let's say of a cycle 1, edition 1. So it's always it's going to be always in three phases. You so you can catch up the next phase next year, but basically we have a call for projects, a call for submissions. We launched this in June in Abidjan and we'll do the same thing next year, Discop Abidjan, our event uh, uh, partner platform. So if you want really to catch up for next year, remember we will launch this June next year, Abidjan. It will be online. We've got, of course, a website, which is digitallabafrica.com. We've got everything online. You can submit online. So that's phase one, call for project. Phase two will be again at Discop Jobo. We bring the finalists. This year, we received 500 entries, more than 500 entries from across Africa, 30 countries. So I guess next year is going to be even more, even bigger. So it will be phase two, launch of a call, finalists, pitch competition, winners, incubation. We're going to do the same cycle and hopefully with more money, more partners, uh, and more winners. That's the idea. <laughs> Yo, Brian, it's been really nice having you on the show, man. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. Usually I'm just in the background. Today I'm up here behind the mic. It's been good. Don't say just behind the scenes, man. You hold the thing together, man. <laughs> I guess without me you wouldn't get that finished product. Well, I wouldn't go so far. So... <laughs> Okay, Okay. so we do want to thank the four people that we featured on this week's show. Of course, Harlem of Basics Pulse, uh, Blackbird, a.k.a. Temple, a.k.a. Nongkululewo Vundla, Kabadiakite of Points by Worked, and, of course, Jason Joku of Iroko. Now, the clips we shared with you were pretty short. Uh, you can enjoy the full interviews that we had with those individuals. Uh, they're all available on our Quick Tech Chat series, which features brief and some not-so-brief conversations with leading pros working the trenches of Africa's tech scene. And you can find the playlist at africantechroundup.com. But that's our show for the week. Be sure to join us again next week when I'll return with the usual digital tech and innovation news from across the African continent. But for now, I'm Andili Masugu. And I'm Brian Lepia. Take it easy, Africa. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>